Welcome to the Avenue Podcast, created and produced by Avenue Media. Join our discussions with the construction industry leaders to learn more about the state of the industry, current events, challenges, and the solutions that we can provide as a community. Well, good afternoon, everyone. It's great to be here with all of you again. Olivier, it's always fun to do these with you. Likewise, Mary. Good to see you. Yes. And today we have David Karens, immediate past chair of the Gulf Coast Builders Exchange and president of Karens Engineering Group. Yes. President and CEO. Oh, okay. Good to see you, David. Nice to see you guys. Yeah. So, David, before we get started, tell us a little bit about your company and what you do and your affiliation with GCBX. My company, uh, we're an engineering firm that we're, we're based here in Sarasota. Uh, we do structural engineering for new buildings and consulting on maintaining and repairing existing buildings. And we do some uh, forensic support work as well. Um, we've been in business since 1999. Uh, we have presence all over the state of Florida, six offices um, along both coasts. And our team is up to about 75 right now. Um, and we're continuing to grow at a pretty rapid rate, especially given the strong construction economy right now. We love that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got involved with GCBX in about 2009, I believe. Um, I actually was led to it by uh, one of my employees at the time who was doing business development, got real active in volunteering, and really pushed me hard to get involved in GCBX and how great it would be for the firm and and all the great people there. And uh, so we did. And before too long... We roped you into the board. Roped me to the board. (laughs) I got a call from uh, Russ and he said, hey, let's go to lunch. Do you want to be on the board? Sure. That was a beautiful thing. (laughs) That was a beautiful thing. Uh, Yeah, that was, I think, uh, 2013. And then... um, last well 2019 i was chairman so it was uh, pretty quick uh, right history and, there and, and since we we've are. had our current chair for two years you're still immediate past chair i've been immediate past chair for two years which that is little pandemic thing pro- probably the only one with that distinction <laughs> no you're actually not no yeah we've had a couple other two-term chairs so uh, okay Yep. So I think today it's that forensic work you mentioned that you do that we're probably going to talk about most. Okay. um, Because I think anybody who's here locally remembers the story of Dolphin Tower, downtown Sarasota, and the problems they had. Yes. And then, of course, more recently, this past June, we were reminded of those with the uh, tragedy at Surfside. So we, thank goodness, you came in on Dolphin before it was a tragedy. And, and then, of course, there were, I believe, 98 lives lost at the Surfside tragedy. Right. So I'd like to talk to you a little bit about those two instances. Are there similarities, no similarities? What, has, what have the impact of those incidents been on the construction industry and what needs to be done moving forward so there are no more of those tragedies? Right, yeah. Dolphin Tower um, is really one of a handful of buildings in the country that's that's had a major structural failure after being in service for a long period of time uh, without, you know, obvious deterioration or other deferred maintenance um, symptoms that might have been discoverable. Uh, basically just spontaneously broke one day. Wasn't the story the property manager was in having lunch and noticed like a crack in the wall? They were in having lunch, so their unit um, was on the fourth floor in the middle of the building, um, 
and it was more than just a crack in the floor. Their cabinets actually started hanging off the walls, and Oopsie. Oh, wow. it was making lots of noise. And they, they called my office, and uh, my secretary at the time called me frantically, saying, "You need to get over there." And I was out on Longboat Key at the time, and she, they, she said that you know the manager's saying the building's falling down, and. Wow. My response was, of course, I was just—I've been in there a million times. I was just in there a month ago. It's not falling down, but and it was falling down. I, I think I got to the job site. I looked around. I said, "It's falling down. You better get everybody out of here and get." And I had uh, some contractors I know put in some temporary support that same day. Uh, without which, it probably would have followed the same wow. kind of fate as as uh, the Surfside building. Oh, my gosh. What was your initial reaction when you first saw the news about Surfside? Did you initially think it might be any sort of correlation to what you dealt with at Dolphin Towers? Well, I knew that project a little bit. Not direct knowledge, but uh, we had, my office in Fort Lauderdale had um, looked at that building to perform the 40-year recertification study. which Miami-Dade and Broward counties require older buildings to get recertified by structural engineer every 10 years after the 40th year. Mm-hmm. And um, we actually didn't get the job, but uh, we did notice that they're one of the types of buildings that have a lot of um, a lot of corrosion and deterioration. I think that's pretty public that that, that building uh, didn't maintain their structure as well as their sister building next door did um so my initial response was you know that just never happens and um then i called my staff down in fort lauderdale and asked them if they knew anything about it and really we hadn't just the fact that we had gone in to do this the services that everybody's heard about in the news and we didn't get it but but i have to ask you mentioned every 10 years after 40 years that seems like an awfully long time is that part of the problem does that need to be done more frequently uh well the buildings that are are well maintained they're looked at a lot more frequently than that i mean so there are something like a million residential units in multi-story buildings in florida that are within i think it was six miles of the coast i don't remember exactly but i heard a statistic recently that there's there's a there's about a million residential units that um would be subject to some kind of a safety inspection program so probably Uh, at least two million people in those units correct right which would be what about a quarter of the population of florida or so we're at about 20 million so probably about a tenth a tenth okay it's a good thing uh, we have a numbers person here. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Still a sizable amount regardless. Yeah. Right. So anyway, most of those projects have relationships with engineering firms, and they do they look at their building on a regular basis and, and set aside money for maintenance programs and things like that. But it's not mandatory uh, except in Miami-Dade and Broward counties, and now a couple of others have followed suit, including Palm Beach has already enacted a law. And um, there are several task groups working on um, different means of making more frequent inspections and and more widespread inspections mandatory. Uh, The Florida Engineering Society has a work group that I participated on for the last several months. Uh, The uh, Florida Building Commission uh, has a group that's working on it. The International Code Council has put out a draft of a new appendix to the building code that gives guidelines for more frequent inspections. And the Florida Bar just last week put out 
a recommendation uh, for changes to the condo law that requires condominiums to have inspections every 15 years. I'm not just a numbers nerd. I actually have one of those reports on my desk back at the office. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think about this having more inspections sounds like a good thing, but the folks who are guiding that are members of the HOAs. Isn't that correct? So like a layman like myself could buy a condo, be on the HOA, and then perhaps have no idea when or how or what to do in these cases. Is That's very true. Um, and that's why condo associations, HOAs, and, and other property owners who are, are fairly novice when it comes to how buildings work and how they need to be maintained, they, they you know, the ones that are prudent will have a relationship with consultants that do it every day. So... Um, you know, it, it, it's, I think with that collapse, it's trending in the right direction to make it, you know, at the, at the front of these folks' minds. And, and, you know, there's a lot of controversy of how much it should be mandatory to do certain things. Um, and up until now, it's been really at the discretion of each local municipality, mm -hmm. what they want to do. Um, and, you know because there's a tendency for especially in aging buildings that aren't really in the most expensive parts of communities you know there's a tendency for these older buildings not to be maintained to the level they should be so making it mandatory is probably a good idea in some cases the negative side effect of that is that there's some communities that can't afford to do the maintenance that has to be done and so these right. people are going to be displaced right you know if you need a hundred thousand dollars worth of work on a fifty thousand dollar unit that's right. occupied by people who make you know, $30,000 a year, it's just not going to happen. The math doesn't work. Yeah. So has anybody done an analysis of our local area? How many buildings like that do we have in Manatee, Sarasota, Charlotte counties? Um, it, it has been analyzed. I don't recall the exact figures. Um, but, you know, I think anecdotally, we are in pretty good shape in Sarasota, Manatee. There are a couple of projects that uh, that we're involved with that have some deferred maintenance that they're you know where the building departments are involved and, and are, are really pushing them to get it corrected or temporarily mm -hmm. supported um, but but for the most part I think we're in pretty good shape well that's good news yeah yeah and by the way you know the 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 whole finding of the study hasn't been released yet and and probably won't for another year for Surfside uh, but for the Dolphin Tower you know, the the problems that led to the failure weren't necessarily just deferred maintenance or things that an inspection would, would identify. You know, they're, they're, they're hidden by the finishes and the, and the concrete, you know, surfaces of the building. And so, you know, we can, we can identify symptoms readily. Sure. We could do testing, but we can't test every inch of every building. It's just not feasible. So, right. you know, there's always going to be some risk. It's just like, as history shows, the risk is really, really, really small. And if you're able to make recommendations to a HOA manager, for example, in regards to some of the signs they should be on the lookout for in their building, what kind of recommendations would you make to prevent another tragedy like Surfside? Right. Well, um, I think to to generalize from Surfside is a bit premature because we don't really have the sure. full results of the study. Um, at Dolphin Tower, we had a combination of, uh, of some construction issues that weren't in accordance with the design, some design code issues that 
have shown to be not adequate from the 1970s code. Um, some construction flaws wherein the concrete didn't adequately fill all the voids in between the bars. And, uh, you know, so there's a whole, there's a whole litany of things that contributed um, that wouldn't show up in any kind of a recommendations. However, having said that, reinforced concrete buildings in coastal environments will deteriorate over time. And so if you see cracking and spalling and staining, then uh, it's a good idea to get some expert involved right away. Um, steel buildings, likewise, you can see the exposed portion of the steel deteriorating, rusting. Um, you can see staining, etc. Uh, wood buildings here in Florida, you know, we have some stucco-covered wood buildings mm -hmm. that makes, uh, you know, insect or moisture damage really hard to see. But when you start seeing cracks in the finishes, when doors don't operate properly, when windows don't sure. operate properly, get some expert eyes on it. Yeah, they may not be small problems. Right. So uh, was Dolphin Towers built in the 70s also? I know Surfside. I think it was the same year, oh. 73. Okay. Um, so have construction techniques improved since those buildings were built? Oh, yes, dramatically. Um, we right now are doing uh, some inspection work on high-rises being built here in Sarasota and Tampa and St. Pete and South Florida. And, you know, they use laser-guided screeds to make the floors level. They have, wow. you know, they have formwork that is, you know, custom engineered and fabricated for the building that is got steel facing on it they can vibrate the forms themselves to consolidate the concrete uh, i'm probably talking a little bit in the <laughs> engineering jargon now but but the bottom line is that the, the construction techniques have evolved and modified and the materials as well i mean average concrete strengths in the 70s were you know three to five thousand pounds per square inch concrete that was high strength now 20,000 pounds per square wow. inch concrete yeah. is not uncommon in, in big buildings. So, Okay, so we should feel a little more comfortable if we're in these buildings, if they've been built more recently. Yes, generally speaking. I mean, there are always exceptions. You know, the, there's uh, we chat a little bit on the way here about how Dolphin Tower had some issues during construction, mm -hmm. you know, and it sat undone for a period of time. That's not really that uncommon especially when the economy turns you know we had projects that sat partially done for extended periods of time in in the mid 2000s mm -hmm. um, and when developers or contractors are running out of money you know maybe they're cutting corners or you know some other outside influences causing it to be of lower quality than it's designed to be or really should be and that's part of what I'd read. Um, I don't know if you read the same article, Ollie, was about um, what was going on in Miami mm -hmm. during the time that that building was built. Mm -hmm. And if you think of Miami in the 80s with money laundering and drugs, Absolutely. that some of that might have factored into maybe things, corners being cut mm -hmm. on um, Surfside. Right. But I, I think Dolphin Towers had a, a few stories, like Jimmy Hoffa might be in the basement. <laughs> well, there's... Um there was a lot of rumors, uh, and this was in the paper, so I'm not spilling any beans here, but it, th there were a lot of rumors that the uh, the mafia was involved in that building and the financing of it at least. Maybe the developer had some dies or something like that. Um, and while we were working on the project, one of the unit owners who has uh, since passed away, but um, they, were, they were convinced that there were dead people buried wow. under the building. And when we were excavating to uh, look into the foundation uh, enhancements we had to make, uh, 
you know, we dug a bunch of big holes under the building, and, and she uh, she came up to me and asked if there, <laughs> we found any dead bodies. And you didn't find any? No, no, no. That's the good um, news. Great local legend, though. Absolutely. Yeah. But in terms of, you know, is it safer today, if you look at the hard rock in, in uh, New Orleans that was probably, what, 65 75% complete, and that fell down? Right. Um, you know, I think it's been publicized that the reason for that is is some corners that were cut in the engineering by the both the design engineers and by the construction team in how they were you know temporarily supporting the building during construction um you know it still happens just the the really rare part is if it's in service for a long period of time then just spontaneously sure and do you think this is something we might have to be on the lookout for? Because a lot of projects are standing still due to the high construction prices currently. And I think, you know, because of that extended period of time with these projects sitting still, it could be one of the issues that you mentioned earlier about, you know, having these kinds of issues in the future. Yeah, potentially, sure. I think um, another difference between now and then is that just about every, at least condominium building that is completed goes through a... a, a sometimes contentious process of, of transferring from the development team to the end ownership team. Um, you know, there's uh, there's a lot more scrutiny placed on the buildings during that time frame, so hopefully the risk is mitigated some. Um, one of the things that I and my firm were trying to do is to help smooth that process of transition and, and enhance the quality of the building so you can spend less of your resources on, on fighting each other and more resources on better amenities and more profits and all those kinds of things. But um, regardless, there's a lot more scrutiny on every multifamily building than there ever was in the 70s, 80s, even 90s. Well, and I think it also makes a point for something we advocate for at the Builders Exchange all the time. If you hire really great local design teams and engineers and contractors who are invested in the community and this is home and their reputation is here, they're less likely to cut those corners and you're you're likely to get a much better product than reaching out of town for somebody who might leave as soon as it's done. That's true. And, you know, we are also constantly in the construction industry battling between the cost of construction and the desired level of amenity or finish or, or you know, spectacular beauty that we can create. And so, you know, even even the best intentioned uh, teams can have issues, but I think the m one of the primary uh, benefits of having local people is that, you know, you have a lot more, you know, skin in the game. You really care what the outcome is, and so you work harder to overcome whatever those challenges are. Absolutely, and that's the beautiful thing about organizations like GCBX. It brings those different entities together to make sure that the finished product has the desired quality that everybody involved wants. Yeah, and it gives us an opportunity to, to you know, hang around with our competitors in a safe environment and bounce ideas off each other and, you know, collaborate on certain things. So it's, it's good all around. We do have a good family at GCBX, so I don't know about you, Olivia, but I've, lo I've learned an awful lot today. I have, too. David, um, thank you so much for uh, being here and for enlightening us on Dolphin Tower and on your company. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Thanks and thank for you for your me. expertise. Anytime.